you there, boy. What uh, what day is this? It's Christmas, sir. I- is it still podcast recording day? <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out, it is. It must be because we're all here with our microphones and and such recording a podcast. Oh, oh the spirits were right. I haven't missed it. Well, technically, we might miss it. This will come out on Christmas or the day after Christmas, I think. Ooh. Approximately Christmas. Around then. Oh, I forgot my jingle bells I usually have. Uh, eh, I don't want to go in the other room and get them. Anyway. Yeah, so, uh... So come in and know me better, man. I'm Rob. I'm Jen Goldbells. And I brought the figgy pudding. I'm David. And today we Antifa are in... is outside asking for figgy pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, stealing Twitter jokes. Yeah. yeah, so today we are in some... We are in some deep trouble, everybody. <gasps> oh no! Because we are watching Deep Trouble. Oh wait, I'm it, kinda... wait oh, we're watching Rescue Bots again? Yes, once again, we have a duplicate episode title. Yeah. Ah, you gotta space them out. At least it's not called More Than Meets the Eye. Yeah, this it's is not true. Coming, but, but it's like <laughs> Robots in Disguise and, and, and Rescue Bots were airing at basically the same time, so that's a closer of a crossover, yes. which is annoying. Yeah, we're, and this was an early Rescue Bot season, so mm. we're, we, we there's some time has passed here. I yes, suppose, to, but... I feel like you they need to have like a set amount of time that needs to pass before you can reuse an episode title. I would think five years should be a rule. But... Or just come up with a different one. Yeah, or it come up with a different one. Three years just like make... Like shelter cats. Yeah, how about, how about eight arms to hold you? Oh! <laughs> eight arms to fold you? <laughs> Trench run? Um, <laughs> nautical nightmare. Oh, it's also about Grimlock, so maybe something not octopus themed. Mm. I mean, I he he was kind of a B plot, so yeah. octo so, uh... punch out. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that would be a good one. There, have a pun. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, this first aired July eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Uh, written by Howie Nickel, who's uh, most of the references on, to him online are about him being a realtor. What? What? <laughs> okay, then. He was an assistant on a couple of shows, um, like ER and Third Watch, and then he has one rating credit, and it is this episode. Did, well, that's. Really? That's really weird, because, like, the guest voice in this episode is, like, a producer and not a voice actor? Like, is it possible this guy <laughs> sold Margaret Scott a house or something, and then knocked a little off the price if she if, if she let like, him write an episode write of uh, Transformers? Weird. Or, or, oh, maybe. Or maybe he isn't actually a realtor, and it's like it's the only other person with that name and something, but... This is possible. Because that shit does happen with people with more common names. Maybe it's just not... Yes. Weird. Does the wiki mention this? Do they, like, confirm that... The wiki just says he's a writer and a realtor. That's all it has. Also, I'm pretty sure I wrote that page. So I don't think that'll help us. No. That's not, like, an outside confirmation. That's just based on online That's me looking him up online. It is, though, entirely possible that he just sold Margaret Scott a house and was like, I'll give you a deal if you let me write an episode of Transformers. Sort of like how Galaxies got, <laughs> Galaxies comic got started. Yeah. Their whole See, we... IDW looking for outside investment and someone to possibly buy them and being like, hey, guy who founded some big online thing media company come write transformers <laughs> maybe if you if you like the place you could you could buy it yeah and then he wrote about insecticon poop and basically establishing a corporophilia 
theme for the entire anthology series. <laughs> Wait, that's come back? Ew. Uh, it was a little bit of the Deathsaurus Cliffjumper story. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah it was. Shit. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, precisely. I, so, I, we, we open with the running of the gauntlet. Sorry, I, I blew David's mind there. He needs to. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I'm afraid to read the, the pile that I haven't gotten to in a while. They're running a gauntlet and Drift's babies are there, and that's what really yes. matters. Now they're doing their best, even though they're very tiny. The best yes. around? Better than Which, all Which, as the we see, does mean that they can just go under some of the obstacles. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to Grimlock, who is straight up going through the obstacles. Yes, and while singing a song about it, which is pretty great. <laughs> yes. Which is about himself. Yes. He's singing a song about himself and how good he is at smashing through the obstacles. Mm-hmm. So they uh so they, they clear the hurdles and now it's time for a bunch of like big swinging objects. Uh there's something sort of similar to this in uh, American Gladiators, if anybody uh, remembers that. Ooh, vaguely. I absolutely remember that. Hey, speaking of Pluto TV as I regularly am, they actually have a channel that's just all old episodes of American Gladiators. That is incredibly awesome. Well, I, I guess you could make a more relevant current thing, like American Ninja Warrior, or what? If, what is the fuck's it called now? I think it's still American, American Ninja, Ninja Warrior. Warrior? Isn't it? Okay, well, yeah, because it was, it was like Ninja Warrior was like the English version of I think it was called Sasuke in Japan, mm. which was the famous ninja dude that they named one I was of the Naruto say, characters isn't that after, just like a- yes. Naruto character. Well, the thing is, most of the Naruto characters, the big ones, are named after historical ninjas. That's mm. boring. Well, that's how you do it. It's either how you name them after vegetables. That's how it works. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dragon so, Ball. So most of the Autobots avoid these big swinging things, but Grimlock takes one right in the ribs, the Robo ribs. You can't really Rigid smash through structure. something that comes at you from the side. It doesn't no. even seem like, compared to the fights that they get into, I mean, it, it's kind of like slowed down so you see that it hurts, but it doesn't really yeah. seem like it should hurt as much as it does. But I guess maybe it, it hit a soft spot. Hit just the yeah, right just spot. hit him right in the right spot. It'd be neat, more interesting, like, if it left a dent there we could see, but as far as we could tell, it's, it's like... He's just hobbling like he's winded. Well, I guess it's also important that nobody else knows this. Oh, yes. Yes. So he he finishes last, and he puts on a brave face and doesn't let anybody know that he's hurting. Also, very importantly, Drift's precious children are very excited that they finish together. Okay, first, (laughs) Sideswipe and Strongarm finish basically a photo finish and immediately start bickering over who won. Uh, yes, I think she claims that he was staring at her bumper the entire time. Yeah, or at least over the the finish line. Yes. And uh, Drift's precious children, uh, they are very excited. They finish together, uh, and then Drift scowls at them, and then they look very dignified and do a little bow. Uh, yes. And then Grimlock comes in last. <laughs> so we now cut to the deep. At a... a, a wildly colored submarine cuts through the water. Yes. It's bright red, got some like blue. Like like a teal? Yeah. Well, what what color submarines usually? Little little exploratory ones are like bright yellow or orange. Yeah, I I, I have in here that this is an Aquazone ass looking submarine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For any other fans of mid-90s Lego. Familiar with it. Actually, wait. Oh, yeah, we do see him out of the water, so because the, the, the water changes the the color, mm. it makes it cooler. Yeah, no, we see him yeah, on the ship. Yeah, he's more maroon, reddish, sort of. Mm-hmm. So hey, it's time to head. Time to fire up the ground bridge, and uh, sideswipe is not so confident about getting into this thing. Yeah, wait. Is this the first time they've actually used it? 
Or have I forgotten? I think the first time they've successfully used it. Okay. Because it's, yeah. uh, you know, Fix It says, you know, listen, it will work. Sideswipe is all, will work? Should work. <laughs> yep, they now have a presumably functional, theoretically functional space, or a ground bridge. Yes. And... So uh, so once again, it is Bumblebee catchphrase time. Yes, Bumblebee catchphrase oh, no. number 12, which was six in a row. Ooh. <laughs> We're on a streak. We're going streaking. Looks like we've come to a bridge. Let's cross it. This is why no one fixed his voice box for so long. Quite <laughs> possibly, yeah. Because he kept doing, saying these things, and then he got horribly injured in battle, and they were like, yeah, we uh, don't have the parts. Yeah, that's yeah, going to come so, uh, in next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like if Andy Zaltzman got laryngitis. It's like, we'll just wait it out. It'll get better eventually. You don't need to take <laughs> no medicine for for all those puns. We can wait. So they head through the ground bridge. It works perfectly up to the point when it floods the entire scrapyard with seawater. I feel like this was something that should have been foreseeable. Well, it it, it should have been foreseeable. I, like, we don't notice it here, but later we see the junkyard is apparently watertight in that it's like three feet deep or something, and they're in a boat yeah. floating around yeah. the junkyard? It's like a natural basin or something. Like, how? Like we've seen the front gate. It should not be watertight. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it could be like a dip, but yeah, it's it's flooded. But like, or it's it sort of tilted away like from the. Thought of this? Yeah. Just you open a a ground bridge. You open a portal to under the sea, and seawater <laughs> is going to come pouring through. That's how water works. You think maybe Listen, that the, the, should be a standard ground bridge thing, a barrier against water? That, but this well, one, I guess they, this one was jerry rigged by some trucker. Wait, who was it that I, built it? Oh, it was um, Thunderhoof. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, yeah. This is fine mafia construction. Yes. Yeah, that works. <laughs> you got to let the water in and out so you can put some in the cement shoes. It works. I guess oh, I, okay. I, I don't think they ever actually went underwater on Transformers Prime. Oh. Um, no. No. I mean, they, they didn't have any water guys. No. no. The Decepticons didn't have any water guys. They didn't have any need to go be in the water. Should have been some boat vehicons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's happened in other series, but they, like, they've had boats or they were just driving in space or other nonsense. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, the space boats. <laughs> I kind of missed the space boat, but yeah. So, so everybody, uh, everybody gets underwater, and uh, we encounter our Decepticon, who transforms from submarine to octopus man, and yes. he is Octopunch. Which, yeah, great name. Who is a great G one character who only showed up in the comics, but here he's different. He's um. Well, I mean, he was a a toy, a squiddly diddly with a distinct accent that's um. Very Jewish stereotype that I question. I mean, I, I can't it's question too much. Specifically, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, or, or Jerry Lewis. Or Jerry Lewis. It's yeah. Jerry Lewis, not Jerry. I don't know not the singer. I don't think that this guy isn't marrying like his fourteen-year-old cousin. <laughs> he could be. Look, all these boomer references get mixed up in my head. I mostly thought that he was more like old Jewish man. Yeah, I guess. Which I guess Jerry Lewis was eventually. I mean, I was just thinking Dr. Zoidberg the whole time. It, the thing with Zoidberg is it isn't quite a Jewish accent. He's also got like the, the, the burbling thing is going on. It, it's Jewish with a twist. Also, is, is Billy West Jewish? I don't think Billy West is Jewish. Isn't his last name like real name like West Stein or something? I just thought it was West, but I may be wrong. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I remember looking it up at some point and it wasn't actually West. Oh, William Werstein. Wow, yeah. that's... So he's at least German, possibly Jewish? Uh, Wikipedia says so Irish... So get away with it? Wikipedia says Irish descent. Eh, but worse. Than, uh, 
But it's like the guy voicing Octopunch here is like has an Italian last name. Yeah, Ted Biazelli, who is who dabbles in voice acting, but is mostly like he worked for the Hub. He uh, he he's like a producer. Yeah. So like we have a realtor as a writer and a producer as a voice actor. This episode's a little odd. He's done a I fair bit hear... of voice acting, I... though. I oh, did hear a, a discussion on my somewhat regularly mentioned Love It or Leave It podcast the other day, uh, featuring small Ashkenazi Jew John Lovett, who is not John Lovett's, uh, talking ah, that's about... that's the ticket. Talking about Italians playing Jews and vice versa, and specifically bringing up, like, George Costanza and... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Jason Alexander? Ben Stiller's dad. Jerry Stiller? Oh, Jerry Stiller, yes. And how his character is supposed to be Italian, and George Costanza is supposed to be Italian, and... You know, I kind of never thought about that. There's this... Well, he thought about it because he was a, you know, teenage Jewish guy when it was airing at the time. Uh, but there's sort of a, a back and forth that goes on, I guess, because of the mutual New Yorkness. Yeah, of, like, you got that Italians playing Jewish characters and Jew- Jewish people playing Italian characters. So that's apparently an established thing that those of us who are not New York Italian or Jewish are not paying attention to. It's like, okay, it's, it, it, it's, it's like the accent's just a little too Jewish for me. Like tone it, tone it, tone it down. Although there is one scene where he like says something that like isn't in any accent at all. It's like what? I just thought it was even though, like I said, I I got my my boomer celebrity names mixed up. I just thought it was Jerry Lewis because I'm just used to like <laughs> cartoons from when I was yeah. young referencing Jerry Lewis the way cartoons now reference things that were relevant to us and not to our children. Oh yeah, yeah, like how um Jimmy Durante is the voice that has permeated permeated through the times and nobody knows who the fuck he is anymore. Hey yes. I mean, nobody who doesn't watch Frosty the Snowman every year, unlike myself. Yeah, I well, suppose. it's the thing. So like so maybe Rob's right and this Good is night, just Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. This <laughs> is just a Zoidberg impression. Well, I'm also kinda of thinking of the old Jewish man from uh from the Simpsons? Uh, I haven't seen Simpsons in so long. I don't remember any Jewish people on that the show. The old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> wow, I've forgotten chunks of Simpsons. Jeez. Of course, I haven't seen it in like two decades, so. Though, apart from that, uh, for the logistics nerds like myself, uh, they do mention that they are going to internal communications uh, so that they can communicate underwater. Uh, because yes. they 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 are talking, they are animated as talking, which makes sense because presumably you're still like gonna be talking. But I guess also they have it uh, transmit their voice. Yeah. So when they're underwater, they can't understand Octopunch's talking. Yes. Which was another line like, uh, what was it? Sideswipe that says, "All I heard was burbling." It's like, <laughs> is that an insult against Hebrew or something? What's going on? I'm. <laughs> No, it's definitely just... Especially since he's clearly speaking English. Well, yeah. Yes, Cybertronian Although he is English, compl- but it's, it's just... Well, yes. I'm just going with... It was a weird foot to begin the episode on. <laughs> I'm just know. going with he's Jerry Lewis. I complain about all this earth fluid. Oh, with the cold and the salt. Hey, lady. <laughs> Can't get a decent brisket around here. <laughs> Maybe I was just thinking about it because, like, I Hanukkah started yesterday? Question mark? couple days ago. It's a... Recently, yeah. as we're recording. Yes. yes. And of course, remember, octopus, not kosher. No. It is... Oh my god, I can never Don't eat the octopus. I mean, I agree with the don't eat the ham stuff. That's cool. Maybe. But not eating octopus, which presumably carries over to calamari, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I mean, all your, uh, all your shellfish, your... your... I can't live clams, oysters. I could I live without would, uh... beef, octopus, but I cannot live without any fish. I would. <laughs> well, that's a well, you, you can eat actual fish, just not well, shellfish or the good fish. You can eat lox. 
Yeah. I, I've never had locks. Oh, Despite my stuff. proximity to New York for most of my life, the city. I would say this would explain why uh, Judaism never really got a big foothold in Japan, but also the fact that they aren't like a proselytizing religion also explains that. No. Well, and, like, and, and also some of the groups that did spread in Japan at various times weren't exactly friendly to Jews. That too. Mm. You know, the ones who were representatives of proselytizing religions. Yeah. Actively lots, lots converting Christian and religions. Other weird assholes. But also because. And, yeah, anyway. The weird yeah, digression. So, <laughs> yeah, so Octopunch has discovered a crashed Cybertronian ship. I like that. Uh, this, on the bottom of the sea. I like that this crashed Cybertronian ship on the bottom of the sea is just something that they're like, okay. Because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, uh, that's Earth for you. <laughs> Which, like. Cybertron's dumpster. Squiddly Diddly discovered the sphere. <laughs> no, but well, uh, and, well, and we, we also design, find out that the ship oh. design we see very little of is like this rectangle with a giant tail fin. Which mm. I read that book. That was one of the main things I remember from the book. Other than it being stupid, was like they found a spaceship and had a giant tail fin. Mm-hmm. Uh. So it almost feels like this is a. Intentional reference or just accidental because of the animation? Is that that Michael Crichton I... book? By which I mean a Michael Crichton book yes. that came out yes, when is. I worked and, in a bookstore. Uh, a garbage Michael Crichton book that was made into a not very good movie. With um, Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson. What? Was this? No. Wait. I think that was Samuel one of the L. ones that came out when I worked at a mall bookstore and I had uh, already fallen out of love with Michael Crichton. After he just brought Dr. Malcolm back in the book version of The Lost World because he didn't die in the Jurassic oh, Park movie. Jackson. And I was like, oh. you are such a sellout. I hate you. And never read any of my <laughs> Actually, don't get me started about the ending of the Andromeda strain because that was the other thing. That- well, I never read that one. I did see that Listen, one I read one. a bunch of his post uh, Lost World books. You're fine. That's yeah, that was oh, the impression that I got. There was one of those. I forget whether it was. I think it was Airframe. That that one is so Ooh, boring. Buzz around the publishing industry was that he had written it in a month because he had a contract that had, that stipulated <laughs> he had to write another book. No, I, mean, I, I I read the second Jurassic Park one and I was okay with that. There was there was a time travel book that like. The mechanics of the time travel was just so stupid, I, I fucking quit in that book. One of the few books I've ever given up of in the middle. I hate Timeline, it. <laughs> read it, own it, saw the movie. I hated the Oof, end of I Andromeda was, Strain so much it made me so mad. I was a mad. big Crichton enthusiast for a while there. <laughs> My father is a big Crichton enthusiast. I, I like read two Congo. two minutes into this episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, so he is... Uh, we, we find out his, uh, his crimes. He is a noted... Uh, Ship salvager and ship wrecker. Yes. So the, A noble the wrecking, profession. the wrecking of ships being the part that he got thrown into the Alcamore for. For I would yes, like to know. Presumably he was a. Go ahead. No, he he is a wrecker, not in the transformer sense, right. but in the old timey sense. Yes. Where you'd have like a fake uh, lighthouse, and then you would collect the wreckage on the shore. I would like to know how uh, letting him just leave Earth would be bad because then he's not bothering Earth anymore. But I guess they well, would well, rather... Well, go wreck some planets. more spaceships. I guess. And in space. Those other planets are not their problem. Earth is their problem. <laughs> I mean, it's like some of the other guys in the past that were trying to get off, it's like, okay, what, there's petty... But this guy wrecks ships. Would presumably also include spaceships. Yes. Yeah, fine. So he, he's a bit more of a problem. Mm. So Especially yeah, he, since this ship has guns. Yes. So, yeah, they, they fight him. Uh, Grimlock is still a little hobbled by this injury. And at one point, he's got each of them in a tentacle. Yes. And just yeah. tosses them away. It's It's a cool fight. There is, I. Because he has the massive advantage underwater. I do like when they first get there and, you know, they can't understand what he's saying because his sound is, his voice is not traveling through the water and they have their own thing on. Uh, so, Strongarm says something about 
explaining things in a way that he understands as she goes up to him and starts using the the universal language of whoop whoop and puts her <laughs> puts her yeah. uh sirens on and i just appreciate Pull over i appreciate <laughs> that that's a universal language <laughs> of, of whoop whoop the police sirens yes. you are in trouble but then that just alerts so, him that he's in trouble and so then they yes. fight might, you might say it alerts him that he's in deep trouble. <laughs> Whoa! So yeah, he uh, he gets into the ship and then he turns the ship's d- guns on them. And shockingly, it is Sideswipe whose quick thinking saves the day here, as he quickly identifies that these guns are firing in a very specific pattern, and if they move in a coordinated fashion, they can avoid them. And, you know... Credit where credit due. Good job, Strong. Good job, Sideswipe. Let's give Strongarm the credit. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he does a good job there. I guess he's as, like, the most combat, just, like, finesse combat oriented on the team. He's better at figuring out actual strategy and not punching his way through things or pulling them over. Yes. And we, we cut him in the uh, in the command center. And he's all, oh, again with the Autobots. Yeah. <laughs> Not your day, Zoidberg. I feel like this, and a little bit in the next episode as well, I kind of feel like these were episodes that maybe were written without knowing that Drift was going to be there, and then just sort of adding Drift in. Because Drift doesn't really contribute anything. Yeah, he does. Like he's a real he's he's a real backseat backseat commander in this one. Yeah, it, well, it 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 does kind of feel like a lot of his dialogue is just added in later in like one scene yeah. where he does anything relevant, and that isn't really relevant to the plot. And but. that yeah, that could have been something else that was not relevant to the plot to explain what Sideswipe was doing then. Yeah. But but yeah, mm. it does kind of feel like in. That, that Drift had to get written into this episode because he doesn't really do anything very helpful. No. And it almost feels like he was animated in later. Like, at the end of the thing, oh, they catch the bad guy and they're carrying him away. And Bumblebee is the one carrying most of the octopus. And Drift is just sort of running along next to him, not doing shit. I mean, part of it, part of it may also be that he is supposed to be standoffish as a character, but all that really means is that if you write him in after your episode has been plotted, then it makes sense for him as a character to not be being very helpful because he's being all standoffish and no, he's he's yes. backseat drifting the entire episode. <laughs> yes. Anyway, as when they get into the ship and well, and and when Octopunch gets in there, lovingly hand drawn animation of the water flooding into the. Ship. Yes, it's very yes. nice. Like it, I, I haven't noticed it in a while, or, or there just hasn't been much of the hand drawn animation. <laughs> but when it happens, they they put their time into it to make the waves look beautiful. They were mm-hmm. they were very excited to get to do some proper animation, and they are just yeah. going to pour their hearts into it. Maybe they figure if they do that part like really nice and and pretty, then maybe they'll get a job doing that full time. Yeah. Oh, well, also, uh, explosions, I guess I just overlook explosions that happen. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Explosions, you expect them. Yes. So, yeah, they end up having to split up, and shortly, they uh, they hear the, the ship has four engines, and uh, Octopunch is trying to get all four of them firing, and periodically, one will go on, indicating that they have got even less time to get there. Yes. The four-engine thing is up. definitely clearly called out, but it's for the most part, it's fairly low-key. They're, like, yeah. really obnoxious about it. No, it's, it's a standard countdown thing, but it's not overhyped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, uh, they, they end up getting... Uh, they, they end up splitting up. Uh, Drift, Sideswipe, and the two Minicons end up uh, shut in a, in a corridor as the doors close around them. And Drift's solution is to meditate. <laughs> Which is the only scene he really does 
anything in this entire episode. Like, yes. To see which is mo- mostly just telling, like, his little minicons are fidgeting. He tells each of them in turn, you're fidgeting, you're fidgeting. And then Sideswipe gives up that everyone else is meditating, sits down to meditate, fidgets, and Drift is like, stop fidgeting. <laughs> That's the scene. Yes. And meanwhile, Strongarm, in a, quite frankly, terrifying scene, is confronted oh, by an appa- what appears to be an army of drone-like... levels. Yes, so there there are like a zillion fixits in this, and Fix yes. is like, "Oh, hey, fix it! Yeah, it's a bunch of fixits. You'll help me." But no, they're evil fixits, and they like hog tie her. It, <laughs> it's scary. It's very weird. Like they have red glowing whip things that tie her up and shock her, which is horrifying. And they're little fixits. They're fixits that are frowning. None of them talk. No, they don't. Like, do they have intelligence? Do they just look like fixes? Are they controlled by the ship? What? They are definitely controlled by the ship because we see Octopunch like setting the ship's defenses against them. Well, yeah, but the defenses are also like the guns and, and the little nanite flying thingies that you mm-hmm. I Maybe the fixes are just there and, and, oh, these fixes leave me with questions. I do yes. wonder if this was an Autobot. I mean, they say it's a Cybertronian ship. But it's and it does. Yeah, they're very specific not to say. The in, the inside of it really oh, feels right, a internals. lot like the uh, the hallways feel a lot like uh, the Decepticon ship from Transformers yeah, Prime, like, which you yes. know is reasonable. But this show got asked like they they later use robot models in later seasons. Presumably, they also got the assets for the the what was the name of Decepticon? Was it Nemesis? Again? I, I think it was it was, was the Nemesis. Okay, yeah, like, the interiors are very clearly, like, if not exactly that, built from parts of the Nemesis interiors of the last year. Yes, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes sense, because that, and that does give a nice, I know, continuity between the two shows is yeah. a little wishy-washy, but it does give it a nice little bit of continuity there. Uh, but yeah, like, because this, this ship has some pretty heavy duty, like, some pretty scary defenses. So I'm just- Yeah, but yes. like- do we did we ever see an Autobot ship in Prime, other than the uh, Wheeljack's little ship? Yeah, we didn't see a big one. No. And oh, oh, uh, I guess Magnus's, but that was kind of small. Even his wasn't that big. Yeah, they didn't have corridors. Yeah. No. This, this is, has a lot of corridors. Yes, this is all about the big T junctions and the sort of things mm. where it definitely looks. You could see Soundwave like walking through these rooms and once when they're in the rooms that actually have like screens it just feels very much like the nemesis uh i the nemesis Mm -hmm. was not full of terrifying evil fixits though and they're all bright orange they're all his same they look exactly like him you'd like they could have yeah they didn't even change the color yeah it does raise a lot of questions about (laughs) fixits like like personhood is fix is he people is is fix it an accidental people or i did, don't think so because his, we spark gets stuck in one of these little standard drones or what what is I, he i am pretty sure we later meet some fixits who are also people is it like which raises more questions about these this army of fixits is it like yes, how, it how my car there's like you could get the base model that doesn't have all this stuff like that warns you if someone stopped ahead of you and complains if somebody pulls ahead but mine has that so like maybe he's like the premium model of fix it that comes with consciousness but you can get a base model of fix it that comes without consciousness Oh, sort sort of like he's like G one Omega Supreme and the what was the Guardian Commanders or something that were just recolors uh, of him Omega Sentinels or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. the Sentinels. Maybe it it just it's just weird that they're frightening little fixits here. Yes, (laughs) it's it's very weird. Strong Arm is not okay about it. Mm Hmm. Uh, and yeah, she's stuck in a cell, and due to the internal defenses also jamming their communications, she's only getting that same radio station that plays Ranchero music. <laughs> yes. Which, is that a reference to like, oh, what, what, I forget what it was, like, one of the earliest, strongest radio stations was... Oh, yes, uh, they, yeah, because they called them Border Blasters. Mm-hmm. And uh, are immortalized in the wall of voodoo song, Mexican Radio. Yes. Yes. 
Wish I was in Tijuana. Barbecue iguana. <laughs> I mean, presumably that's just like what the free <laughs> what what yeah, music we, we, we've, we've got some, some stock music. Of, it's the <laughs> yes. cold slither of uh, robots in disguise. It did yeah, remind it, it me that... though of uh, when this. I'm like way outside of DC right now, but when I lived closer into DC, there were just lots of Spanish language stations, and you would hear some that would play like ranchero type music, and all the DJs just sounded like they were at an actual party. Like, I don't know <laughs> what, like, if they would actually have a party at the studio that they would have them broadcast from, or if this was just, like, a background track thing, and they, that was just, like, a gimmick. But all of the Probably DJs... Probably background track thing. All the DJs legit sounded like they were having a super good time at a party, and it was a lot of fun to listen to, because the actual rock stations had gotten terrible by that point, so sometimes I just listened to <laughs> random other things, because at least they weren't playing, like, Limp Bizkit. Well, this was pretty recent, <laughs> right? So I, I think most radio stations have gotten, unless you're I'm doing talk about, shows or something like that. I'm thinking about 20, oh, 20 years, years ago. I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, yeah, like... The- it probably was a party, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> now they, they, like, record all the talk segments in, like, a block and just glue shit yeah, together. Yeah, I'm, not, later I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about, like, no. during that time when I had that story about how I found the uh, the, the previous Robots in Disguise uh, ruination guys and realized that they were just Scramble City <laughs> oh, toys, and I was very disappointed. But that's what it made me think of was was back when there were a lot of Spanish language. They they're probably still are closer to DC. I assume that considering the current situation, they are not sounding like they are literally at a party all the time. No. Well, maybe right now. <laughs> not for most of the year. No. So so yeah, it is it is up to Bumblebee and Grimlock to save the day. So they 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 find a communications room. They. Uh, and then they are attacked by bugs. <gasps> oh no! Uh, specifically, armor-piercing nanodrones, which are just like these tiny robot bugs. Yeah, they're just being yeah, stung just... by something they can't see, and then he like magnifies. Which really makes you wonder what mosquitoes. Ki- yes. Yeah. What? What kind of what? What is on this ship that uh, they are trying to protect? Yeah. Again, this has some pretty heavy yeah, duty defenses. Like there's a lot of hallways and a lot of fixits. It doesn't, they, they never encounter, like, a storage room or a hangar or anything. <laughs> There's a storage room and it just has arachnid in a frozen pod. It's just all hallways. Uh, this is our strategic hallway reserve. <laughs> yes. And our strategic fix-it reserve. Yes. So luckily Grimlock manages to smash a console... That uh, turns off the uh, the nano drones, but it's now pretty clear that he is all messed up. He should be on the DL, as we say in sports. That's not what that means in my communities, but okay. That, well, I I have not heard the football term either. I I have heard the other one. <laughs> it, it's it's the disabled list. Rob, are you not like familiar guy with has what like that a... means in other communities? Uh, no. Uh, being on the down low, as it were, which, um... Oh, okay, well, I have heard of that. <laughs> okay, yes, you have got it. Is, it okay. is when you are secretly carrying out homosexual activities, but you are not openly homosexual. Yes. Although, oh, and in fact, they recently changed it to the IL, the injured uh, list. Maybe because... Oh. <laughs> Probably because some of the guys on the DL were on the DL, yeah. and it got confusing. <laughs> it got a little confusing. No, it was apparently you changed after a request from disability advocates. That's that's oh. fair. That's so fair. It's, it, so it's it's now the injured reserve okay. list. Inger- reserve reserve. They're in the army now. What? Well, it's you know. It, Baseball is kind of weird because you have to put them on it for X number of days. Oh, so. They're in reserve. And, uh, okay, it, it's just uh, sometimes yes. terminology changes just confound me. <laughs> uh, and this is one of them. Anyway, um, 
So, so yeah, B is all, you know, listen, you know, Graham, you really should have told me. We could have had this looked at. I know, you know, and earlier he'd said that, you know, hey, we, you know, we couldn't do this without you, buddy. But that doesn't mean that you can't tell us when you're hurt because, you know, you're. We can't do this without you. It's important that you take care of yourself. You're a liability to us, but mostly to yourself. Yes. You're injured. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they, uh, so they get to the bridge and just as Octopunch is getting, getting ready to lift off this, uh, this, uh, this mud ball. You know, so long, Earth. It's been absolutely miserable. <laughs> now you're switching it into an Italian accent, which works better. It's New York. It's a New York accent. Well, the, the Italians do love calamari. Yeah. yeah, see, an Italian accent would have made more sense. Gabagool. <laughs> but uh, he, he gets a terrible octopus pun in here when uh, Bumblebee says, oh, Hey, you're coming with us. And he's like, Oh, I don't ink so. Yes, we have to taco about the puns, or pune, or a play on words, as it were. Ah, that's so bad. No, just quoting Hogs. Well, he also says that uh, the Autobots are a real pain in the mantle. (laughs) Oh, I guess I missed that one. I I figured there were more than just the Inkso, but... Yeah, because it's, uh, the the mantle is the head of the octopus. Yes. I I just call that the delicious part. (laughs) And yeah, I, I do like that he shoots ink at people. Yes. Mm. Yes. I, I, I love animal superpowers. Yeah. That's true. You are a Spider-Man fan. That's right. Wait, has Dr. Octopus ever used ink? He has not. Really? Shockingly. It feels like it... What However, the something. villain known as the Squid does shoot yeah, ink at people. Yeah, the Squid does. And the Squid, notably, is like an actual Squid Man. What kind of sort in that he has tentacles? I'm not sure what well, kind he, of he, squid. I mean, he turns into like well. a green guy with tentacles. The squids aren't green. Well, they can change color. Some of them. Uh, I think that's... I th- wait, or is it with the cuttlefish are the ones that change color? I think squids can... But, I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy with squid DNA. Uh, we're not really veering into the realm of uh, biological plausibility. Yeah, Marvel is kind of weird. But <laughs> does the guy called the Eel have eel DNA? Well, the he, the Eel is just a guy in like a costume a that's covered suit. in well, it's covered in grease, and yeah. also he's he has electric powers. What about the Spot? Well, I mean, he's not really an. I mean, he looks like a Dalmatian, but uh, <laughs> I don't know that he's really otherwise animal themed. Okay, but he's sort of like blotchy, so that's sort of ink themed. Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, the the spot really needs to be in a movie. Presumably one of the animated ones, but still, well, oh, his uh, power would great look great it, on screen. Well, the great thing about the spot is I didn't realize his name was a pun for like 20 years. What's his, really? his real name? Is, well, his real name is Jonathan Owen, which means that he's Johnny Owen the spot. Oh, Ouch. yeah, that's not a pun that anyone <sighs> under is this a the Stanley age of 60 character? get. Uh, no, send all hate mail to uh, Al Milgram, everybody. Al ah, Milgram? Okay. Dang, I didn't realize he was a punster. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, old Editory Al. Hmm. It's no Peter so, yeah, David. They, uh... Oh, Peter David is dangerous. He's so bad. <laughs> he's so good, he's so bad. Uh, so, yeah, they. so he's trying to get this thing to take off, but then Bumblebee starts to realize, hey, tentacles... And he starts, starts, like, tying them in knots to the bulkheads, whilst yeah. Grimlock just beats on him. And every time yes. Grimlock punches him, he owes on his side. Because <laughs> he keeps yes. throwing out his... Ooh, ooh, owie, ooh. Muscles? Oh. How do robot work? Magic. I mean, there's, like, a part in him that's broken. Like, if he was a car, he'd be making a weird noise. Yeah, he'd be, like, making a squeaking sound when he... Or... or... Like when there's a, a belt slipping. Yeah, exactly. Like one of his belts is out of alignment. I get maybe he he uh, he stripped some gears. Yeah, but like it's in his Dinobot ribs. Which where does that out? Is that becomes his back in robot mode? Yeah, sort of his back. So it's like you know his back's all messed up. I know the feeling. Yeah. I guess I can understand that. So yeah, he. Uh, so he, they they. Grimlock shuts down the engines, but also, because of course he does, 
turns on the self-destruct mechanism. Well, he destroys the console with his tail, which, impressive, is bad. Now, (coughs) this does solve the problem. It's like, oh, now we don't have a ship that we could just fly home in. Yes. Well, they don't want to just fly home. Yeah, we got to collect all these. I mean, otherwise, we would have gone with Jazz. They've got a mission. Well, now that they have a spare jerk hanging around, Drift, they could have filled up the shuttle with some of the pods to send back to Cybertron, but you don't have to worry about that, because the ship's gonna blow up. But this raises a big question. About the fixits? Yes! There's like a hundred fixits that are about to blow up. Yes. These these aren't the kind that have the, the people package. These are the base models. Apparently not, but, like... When they do get back, and then, then like, so yeah, the- Strongarm has her little nightmare well, about, oh, the Fixits whipping her. Maybe she was thinking about, oh no, we just killed a hundred <laughs> Fixits. Or uh, that'll be replacing the whale in me nightmares. <laughs> yes. So anyway, yeah, they're heading for the exit. They do not have the Fixits with them, but they do have Octopunch, and they realize they're not going to make it in time. But. Because all the other defenses are down, they realize that the jamming is down as well. So that means they can then radio fix it and tell him to bring them in, and he does so along with a bunch of seawater. Less water this time. I don't know. Well, I guess as he was making the portal, the ship was exploding, so some water got in. Because they were running down a hallway without water. Also, as they're getting ready to, as as they're like, okay, the ship's about to self-destruct. We don't have enough time to run all the way down to the other end of the ship and get far enough away. Sideswipe makes a comment about V mode. And yes. I presumably meaning vehicle mm-hmm. mode, but now I'm curious if that's like something other other people use or if that's just sideswipe being sideswipe. <laughs> like my V mode. It's either just sideswipe or maybe that's a slang the kid robots have. Oh yeah. The kids these days. The kids these maybe the, he's the protoforms these maybe days. Maybe he's trying to impress Jetstorm and Slipstream with how young <laughs> and hip he is. <laughs> you know. And they're just playing Fortnite. They're like, okay, boomer. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not <laughs> I'm a millennial. <laughs> oh, oh, I would love an episode, I know I doubt it ever happens, of like Sideswipe is, like, talking about something he did back on Cybertron that got him in trouble in the first place. And then the Minicons just pull out their rap sheets, and they're a lot longer. (laughs) Before Drift got them out of juvie. I assume we we were like... We were actual criminals. I assume they were like Dickensian street urchins. Yeah, I, I was assuming that, but I would also be up for them being, like, hardcore juvenile delinquents. Oh, they're like they were like a rumble and frenzy before the drift found them. <laughs> yes. yes. Little horrible violent street urchins <laughs> kicking everyone's ass. And yeah, um Stealing from old Strong Arm has some PTSD and then that's the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it's an okay episode. The Decepticon of the Week is not especially memorable, but he's amusing enough. Yeah. yeah he's not yeah. like I don't know, Ron Perlman showing up out of nowhere, but he's, no. he's fine. Oh, if Ron Perlman had voiced him, that'd be better. Ron Perlman voiced Optimus Primal. Yes, mm. yes he did. A, an extremely bored uh, Ron Perlman. <laughs> I need to well, watch just, that. Just... I'm not sure if it's just him being bored anymore, if him just getting finally getting older, and like he just sounds tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, okay, you're you're this giant ape robot, but you're super bored, like profoundly <laughs> weary of living. Here you go. Here's your it's lines. Like the, the, last, the last time I remember seeing him acting where he had a lot of energy was in Hellboy. And even that was kind of laid back. I mean, he is pretty old. Don't look up how old he is. You'll, I mean, you'll feel bad. Yes. It'll make I, you unhappy. I, I will feel bad. Oh, unless, oh, was he in Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, yes. that was like his main thing for a while. He was like okay, the main may, character. Maybe, he was, I, maybe I, that I, tired him out. I only saw the first season, but he's pretty good in it. Okay. Like, I mean, he's um, the guy, what's his name? Oh, the, the main guy from um, Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah, the... the um, Default player one with barely a personality. Oh, Charlie yeah. Hoonan? 
Yes. He, so, he's also, the main guy in that, and he's kind of boring. Yeah, I, I really love Pacific Rim. I have the second one. I still haven't bothered to watch it, but he was like the down point of Pacific you Rim. You know what like, he's in? He was a void. That is not bad, but he's definitely not the best part of it. Crimson Peak. Oh, yeah. I just needed to bring up Crimson, Crimson Peak. Peak. Yeah, he was in Crimson Peak. Does he die at the beginning or something? I don't remember. No, no, he makes it all the way to the end. He's like the the optometrist guy who the main character, who's like kind of into the main character at the start, and then he shows up at the end and helps rescue her from all the crazy stuff, by which I mean carries her off after the knife fight over Tom Hiddleston. Wow, I... (laughs) I forgot there was another guy in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I remember there's Hiddleston, there's two ladies, there's a bunch of ghosts. Yeah. Presumably there was Which her I dad all at the Jones. beginning or something. Yeah. Well, the, well, her dad is, I think, uh, her dad is Canadian actor Jim Beaver. <laughs> you can't just be named Jim Beaver. And be- or wait, oh, no, sorry, he's not Canadian, but what? Uh, he is... You can't be named I, Jim Beaver and not be Canadian. <laughs> uh, he's from Wyoming. My mistake. I guess that's okay. That's, no, well, I guess no, but no. The, the, um, I think Doug Jones is in that, but most of the the skinny monsters were a new guy. Oh, I think that's the guy who then went on to play the Slender Man. Oh, but there is definitely a lot of Doug Jones playing ghosts oh, in yes. that. But there may have. I mean, yeah. when you're in that much prosthetics. You don't have to always be the only one playing a particular ghost. No. Well, there were there were like four ghosts, or I th- I'm pretty sure that the one that was like blood red that wasn't Doug Jones. They're pretty much all blood red. That's the theme. Well, there, there was one. That's why it's crimson peak. <laughs> well, the one that was like blood and skinny as shit. Which okay, they're all kind of skitty shit. Anyway, so yeah, back, so yeah, we're done with the episode. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty decent episode. You know, kind of kind of standard. I I enjoyed the stuff with Grimlock nursing his injury, as it's a rare moment of vulnerability for that character. Yeah, yeah, he's somewhat serious for a change after yes. spending the beginning of the episode singing about how he's smashing through all the obstacles. <laughs> I would like to know more about this ship. Uh, I assume we are not going to find out any more about this ship. Also, nope. I appreciate how there's just this abandoned Cybertronian spaceship under the sea on Earth, and they're like, yeah, that sounds right. Well, yeah, every... every Earth is Cybertron's trash heap. Yes. Uh, it doesn't... The ship never gets a name, does no, it? No, it does not. Well, it blows up, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good episode. It, uh, villain, wish was better. Wish didn't have a Jewish accent. Other than that, fun episode. I'm still oh, writing so him off now. as Jerry Lewis. <laughs> so that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes, this week on Chuku Sentai Go Go 5, it's a recap episode. Oh no. <laughs> so is that like a clip show? Basically, yeah. Rescue File Nine Nine is the, the episode title. It like here's the traditional Sentai, and um, I don't know if Common Rider does it, but the Sentai definitely does it. Like you have your Christmas episodes, and, and then you're gonna have a New Year's episode. But somewhere in there, there's a recap episode because people may not be watching TV because it's the holiday season. That's fair. Even in Japan. Oh, we should we should release a recap episode. Previously on Stasis Pod. Yes. So it's a recap episode. You're going to miss this one. Nothing really important happens. In it. Uh, the opening theme is the English version, which was nice. Mm. Uh, th- there is a very loose wraparound story, which is pretty much the reviewing files on old mini discs, which at first I thought they were zip discs, <laughs> but it's like... Wait, are those? Are those? Wait, which? What size are zip discs? But then they were clear, and you could see the disc in them. It's a mini disc. Yeah, a Sony thing. So that, so they're they're going over old things like, oh, he, here's shit that happened in the first episode. Here's a list of all our bad guys. Here's oh wait, the Y two K bug is coming. Oh no. <laughs> I don't know if I'm thankful or or sad that this episode wasn't about the Y2K bug because this was filmed in 1999 and this is turning into the year 2000 this episode 
And oh, you could have made more out of that other than, well, the entire series is basically based upon that. With alien calamity monsters in the place of the Y2K bug. <laughs> but it, there was like one scene like, oh no, the Y2K bug, we have eight hours to stop it. That's that's not like one of the rangers is like as the other his brothers are running out. That's not how. Oh, never mind. You re- you really should have uh, got that uh, handled like a little while ago, guys. <laughs> yes, that was handled. We can't do that in eight hours. People were on that anyway. The monster butler, monsters butler, is drunk because the little baby he used to care for, Salamine Dines, grew up, became a dragon, is dead. Uh-huh. So he's drowning his sorrows throws something up which hits mint the ranger's little robot which is out shopping for something and somehow that resets mint's internal timer that it thinks it's the next year and it hasn't been prepared for the y2k bug because that's the one thing mondo fucking forgot (laughs) like their robots haven't been y2k updated oh no that should be more of a problem but this is a clip show not a real episode so that just goes out the window and there's and then, no time for plot yeah so it's a recap episode there there's like a song at one point that's singing about the Sima family monsters i don't know whatever it's a recap episode it's fine it might be a, a good episode to watch <laughs> because it recaps the series yeah if you mm. haven't watched the rest of the series yeah Alright, so that brings us to the end of Deep Trouble and the end of this episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Robots in Disguise. Until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, every month we do a special episode on some old cartoon show or a big exciting new movie. Uh, this year has not had very many big exciting new movies, but it has had a few year old big exciting new mu- movie because New Mutants <laughs> finally got released. So, uh, yes. for our Patreon subscribers, uh, and for those interested, it's as little as a dollar a month, you can hear our uh, monthly specials as well as get access to our back catalog of them uh, and hear us talk a lot about New Mutants and X-Men uh, and ramble on a little bit about some of the current comic book stuff and just yeah. have fun. It was it was definitely a movie. It was yes. it, it, We haven't done a really long episode in a while. I think this episode is as long as the movie. Yeah, because we haven't had movies. Yeah. We've been watching like no. yeah, we haven't, an, doing an episode of, of GoBots or Inhumanoids, which I took a deep dive on because I've been really bored at work lately. So I've been like watching that on daily motion and just sitting through the entire thing. <laughs> and gag oil is very disturbing. And I want you all to experience that with me someday. That and, and he has uh, a and great name. <laughs> yes, stupid name. I I, I I still find Nightcrawler slightly more disturbing. Nightcrawler is gave me nightmares. Nightcrawler is extremely disturbing, but Gagoyle has this just sort of like disinterested. Like there's a point where people are stabbing him, and he's just like, oh, and he just eats the stuff, the like big sticks he's being stabbed with, and it's just like <laughs> definitely creepy and in a very deeply unsettling way uh also well but that's a creepy monster animal whereas a part nightcrawler was a man yes he was he is not anymore i think the thing that surprised me dr herman mangler i think the thing that surprised me the most (sighs) about nightcrawler is that you see him as he's like established as this character for like maybe half an episode before he gets horribly killed and then turned mm-hmm. into this monster. Yeah. It's like hardly even there. It's not like, you know, Batman the animated series where Harvey Dent got to hang around for a couple episodes first. It's like nope, he's well, it, immediately it, it is a short series. It is a very short series. But he's around He's around just long enough to think, oh, he's going to become a recurring character somehow. Oh, no, he's dead. Oh, no, he's back. 
<laughs> also, I would really like to know who got the brilliant idea of putting the millionaire industrialist who's been up to evil shenanigans in the same jail cell, cell as the mad scientist, because they're gonna team up. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how they meet, is in jail. <laughs> like, no, you separate them. Put them in with, like, some random carjacker. It's not, it's not good. Were they in, in prison in Arkham or something? <laughs> I guess that's maybe. But, uh, but yes, uh, New Mutants this month. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, people back when it first came out in theaters, people had some concerns about some stuff. But apart from those, it's it's a pretty great movie. I enjoyed it. I kind of want to watch it again now. There, there was one thing that I heard in one review that was like shitty and like hated the movie, but they had one good point. It felt like the beginning of a TV series, like this was the TV movie start mm. of a series, like that uh, Generation like, well, X. Special. I was just about to mention we we should dig that up and review that sometime. I've I um, pretty sure I saw that in like 1995. I, I have not said. Absolutely. I remember the commercials. I don't think I ever saw. I that. absolutely saw it when it aired, and never again because I was like reading the comic because I was like fifteen at the time, and I was exactly the target audience. Uh, so yeah, I I watched it when it aired and have not seen it since. But I am always up for some Matt Frewer uh, and terrible oh, broadcast right. nineties. Oh, Matt Frewer! I spoiled it. It could have been surprise, Matt Frewer. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it looks well, like we'll it's Matt Frewer and a bunch of soap opera actors. We might have to look that up next month, then. Oh, and uh, the voice of animated Bumblebee is Mondo. Really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I guess I mm. thought he was younger than that. Uh, well, I guess he was on Deep Space Nine, which was not that far away from it. Yeah. Hmm. And, anyway. Yeah, so that is, t- that is this week's episode. Uh... So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I've got the clamps. I'm David.